couple years down the road, you uh, you go out on a Sunday morning. You're gonna see a movie. A little morning. Oh, nice. A little morning. Uh, morning flick. Nice. Just by myself. Yeah, you're just kind of out by yourself. You know, you have uh, you have a day alone. You know. Sounds good. Have the weekend to yourself, making the most of it. Sunday comes around, <clears throat> you're gonna go see a movie. The movie is called. Uh, it's called. The Twins at Night. Ooh. <clears throat> and the Twins at Night is sort of like an erotic thriller. Uh, is it N I G H T or is it K N A I G H T? And and N I G H T. Oh, okay. Uh, so, so they're not like in medieval times. No, no, no. Uh, but basically, it's like an erotic thriller, but it's uh, Antonio Banderas and Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, hell yeah. Right. And they are just like, basically, the plot of the movie is they uh, they split custody of a child, you know? <laughs> They uh, they both uh, got like uh, oh, the same woman pregnant one night. Mm-hmm. She had she had twins, and one of them was Antonio Banderas' character. One of them was Jean Claude Van Damme's character. So each one, because they were like, who whose is it? You know, and uh, that was an alternate title called Whose Is It? <laughs> whose Is It? <clears throat> yeah, they took the laugh track out, and it really changed the tone of the film. So basically, uh, each they're it's like they're they're each a father to this child, you know, and they're you know they're already best friends. They're already you know tag teaming chicks. Uh, they're like, hey, wait, so they they knew each other ahead of time. Yeah, they before knew, they, they, they both fucked that. I mean, well, they met at the bar, you know. Are they met that night, that or they night. met like? Before? Yeah, I mean, they met that they they didn't know each other going into that night, and now they are forever linked. Oh, the mother of their children. That's real sweet. So they, it turns out they like really get along like really well. Uh, there's like two bachelors, you know, they have their kids every other weekend. So like the, the rest of the time, they're just out like tag teaming. You know what I mean? Uh, is there just one kid or are there, are there two? There are two kids. Like, so she gave, okay. she gave birth to twins and one of them is Antonio's and one of them is Jean's. And they were both like, I can't be a full-time father. I can take two kids. Well, I mean, it didn't work out between the three of them, you know, the two of them and the mom. So she like has custody during the week. And then on the weekends, they each get their child, but they just happen to live together because they're best friends. Oh, so. Okay. Yeah. I thought they lived separate. No, but then no, they no. took turns having they, the two. Okay. They, you know, they decided that, you know, they wanted a co-parent and uh, it's, it's honestly worked out pretty well for them. But during the week, it is just a sloppy fuck fest. You know what I mean? Just hoping for more twins. Yeah, they're like dancers, you know. It's like uh, they they're in like super good shape and uh, kind of like like J Lo, where people are like, "Fuck, goddamn," you know. It's just kind of like like people across America, are like, "Holy shit, we seen Jean Claude's fucking abs," you know. You, could, you people are just like taken in. It's like everywhere. a it's like a Magic My XXL situation. Yeah, but I feel like I feel like people knew what that was. You know what I mean? People had mm-hmm. people saw that and they're like, okay, we know exactly what this is. There's a little bit more subtlety and a little more nuance, you know, a little bit more uh, full penny, you know. There's a little bit more, a little more real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But, you know, people say it's a, it's a pretty good flick. So you decide to go see it. You watch it in the theater, and honestly, it's not bad, you know? It's, uh, it's, a, it's a little more than, like, what you would normally go for. Uh, it's, it's a little graphic. But, you know, there are people say, you know, it's pushing the boundary of, of art, you know? It's people fucking and then raising kids. Fucking and raising kids and growing a friendship the whole time. Those are the three things you need. Yeah. To make a great film. You also need the abs of uh, a revitalized Antonio Banderas and an almost peak Jean-Claude Van Damme. Because he'll never be like Bloodsport, you know, but I mean like. Yeah. Still pretty fucking good. And they're both, they both agree to like, you know, fucking show everything. You see both of their full sets of genitals, uh, you know, and, and throughout the film, but not like a, I mean, like in a gross way, but also in a way that like, how else could they have done it? You know? So did I, did I know that going in or did it surprise me? It it surprised you, you know, none of the reviews because the reviews were all like, Look, there are things in this movie that we feel like we don't need to spoil, uh, but, you know, it's pretty powerful. And they it's were exciting right. Sunday morning. Yeah, they were right. You know, it was, it was a film that you took a chance on, and frankly, you, you had a good 88 minutes. You walk outside the early afternoon air. A Sunday in St. Louis in the summer. Nice. You feel the heat growing. You know, it's it's noticeably hotter now. You can feel it uh, bouncing back off the sidewalk as you walk to your car. The blacktop is almost like you feel like it's angry at you. That's how hot it is, you know? Like it's yelling at you or stepping on it. Like it's upset. It's oppressively hot. You get in your car. You decide to, uh, you know, you're heading home. You think about how hot it is, and uh, you think like, man, you know what's not, you're like, I'm going to go get a drink. What's your, if you ever like stop to get a drink somewhere, like at like a, like a convenience store, what would you get? You like a soda man? Are you a Powerade guy? You a bottle um, of water Sometimes I'll get a, yeah, sometimes if I get a soda, I might get like a Mountain Dew, I might get like a Sprite, sometimes just water, but I think if I got up and watched a movie... You you feel kind of tired because it's like yeah you you don't expect it to be daytime. I think I get a Mountain Dew. There's a little bit of caffeine. So you just think about that Mountain Dew and how nothing would taste better than an ice cold Mountain Dew. You get a lump in that tight little throat. Thinking about that Mountain Dew. You see a little convenience store that's right down the road from your house. Uh, it's the RBM Midwest. <laughs> it's uh, RBM Food Mart Midwest. So you pull into the uh, RBM MW. Just thinking about that Mountain Dew. Put your car in park. You walk up to the door and you try to open it. And uh, it's like locked, you know? Ah, fuck. And you, you look inside, you see that nobody's... Uh, you see nobody's in there, like the lights are off, you know. You look on the door and you say, there's a there's a sign that says, uh, close today, our apologies, RBM Midwest. So you turn around, right? Yeah. You turn around and standing in the parking lot 
of the RBM Midwest are 45 men dressed oh. in, uh, you know, combat gear, military uniforms from all different eras uh -oh. of the United States of America. Like, there's a guy who's got, like, a, like, he's clearly, like, come back from Vietnam, you know? There's another guy who's got a, he's got a patch that says 1812 on his, uh, on his, right above his, his left breast. <laughs> and he says, he, he, he like, he's like the because first back one. then they knew it was going to be called the War of 1812. <clears throat> well, yeah. They, uh, I mean, I guess, I don't know why else they'd make the patch. It doesn't make sense otherwise. So he, he's like the first one you make eye contact with. And he kind of like looks at you like nobody ever really talks about him. And he goes, I'm from 1812. <laughs> and uh, as soon as he says that, you hear like a man just shout, quiet. And everybody straightens up. And he steps out from like the middle of the formation. And he says, Jeremy, we are the Freedom 45, keepers of presidential oaths and myths. And he goes on to tell you that you have a distant relative. A grandfather, great, 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 great grandfather, long time ago. Uh, who, like your name, your last name is Helwig, right? Yeah. It wasn't always Helwig. <laughs> it used to be, uh, fucking, it used to be Dorch. Dorch? Dorch, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you had, like I said, a long distant relative. His name was. Dolph Dorch. <laughs> he uh he was living in Boston at the time. And uh he he worked for uh the government. You know, he like uh mm -hmm. like he was uh I'm not really sure what to equate it to today, but he was like a like a detective almost, you know. Okay. You know. Like an investigator of some sort. Yeah, some of some kind, you know, of a <clears throat> much simpler time. So you, um, you know, he's telling you that, like, basically what would happen is that he worked directly with President John Quincy Adams. Ooh. And Dolph Probably George, top two secretaries of state in our history. They, they knew each other from when they were young, and uh, they both sort of ascended in their own careers at the same time. And it turns out they had a lot of need for one another. So Dolph Dorch was entrusted with some very secret uh high uh high priority tasks from JQA himself nice <clears throat> and uh they were you know it, when you put somebody in a position of power like that it doesn't always go well you know yeah so uh your great 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 grandfather Dolph Dorch used the the power of of the the position to sort of um get revenge on people who like uh wouldn't pay him you know he was like running schemes and stuff and like uh he wasn't like the best guy i'm sorry to tell you but uh you know he he often did some of this stuff under the guise of like hey this is like a, a government thing i so it, everybody knew so he, that was, he worked with john john quincy Adams. So, so he was running scams like what what is what are some of these scams uh there was a guy named um uh his name was uh uh, 
Tanner <laughs> Dillon. <laughs> And he was a pickler of parsnips. And people said, <clears throat> you cannot get a better pickled parsnip outside of Boston. So once a week, your fucking distant grandfather, Dolph Dorch, would walk in there and he'd say, give me a pound of those pickled parsnips. And the guy working the counter would be like, oh, no. You know, he would just like, not give it to him because his bosses told him not to you know they're tired of getting shaken down so this kid uh his name was donnie fail he uh he uh refused you know he refused to uh to pay to pay uh you know to, to pay to stay protected so uh your distant grandfather pulled him out the street he uh had him get down on his knees and he reached into a bag and he pulled out just a mess of hair and like a, like a bag and he called it his hell wig and it was filled with <laughs> it was basically a bag that was filled with like spiders scorpions there was a snake in there one time and uh the bag would get lit on fire and you know whoever had it over their head would just like writhe in pain and scream and the thought was, well, you know, if you didn't do it, you'd survive. Because bad things don't happen to good people. That's what he'd say. And he would do it out in public. So he was immediately like a very a very feared figure. And so, so people, when you say pulled scams, you mean uh, seriously maimed a bunch of people. Oh, he killed several, you know. <laughs> but it was more lawless time back then. It wasn't as frowned upon as it would be today. But he, uh, yeah. but he was also like running like protection schemes and you know pay me and i'll stay quiet and like give people were like giving him a cut of the till like you know just classic fucking gangster shit he was doing all of it made good money but from that point forward everybody knew him as hellwig and everybody knew that john quincy adams like kind of signed off on this because one day he just he just uh he just disappeared Your family, uh, from that point forward, was known as the Hellwigs, out of shame. And granted, the story's been lost, you know, for a couple generations, but it's uh, it's something that you carry with you deep inside. So the guy at the front of the Freedom 45, he says, the Lanolax Corporation is going back in time, and they're going to reel this, reveal the sins of your family. He kind of takes his sunglasses off. He says, and you do not want that. So do you go with him? Do you prevent the Lanolax Corporation from uncovering your family's government secrets? Yeah, hell yeah. So he he kind of I'm a I'm a put a, I'm a put a hell wig on uh, whoever's doing that. So you uh you see the formation shift right, and it's almost mechanical in nature how smooth and crisp it is, and there's just a new spot open at the front of the line. You look down, you're in military fatigues. You're holding an advanced rifle in your hands. You're decked out like a modern day fucking military warrior. Nice. You go, you stand in the spot they've opened for you, and you hear that guy yell, We are! And everybody says, Freedom 46! And you get taken back in time. You, you slip through the time stream. You travel it. You feel its, you feel its waves all around you. You feel it envelop your body. And you kind of wake up 
and you know you, you come to more or less everybody in the in the freedom 46 is uh is standing over you right they're all kind of like mm -hmm. looking at you they're just uh you see somebody like take off their bucket hat and fan your face with it you feel a sweat as it flies out it hits you right in the fucking lips you taste the salt of his skin you look him in the eyes and you think you know what in a different life Maybe. You kind of like wake up. You stand up in front of everybody, kind of shake off, and they go, yeah, the first time's tough for all of us. And they all kind of laugh, you know. The guy from 1812 is just looking you right in the eyes, real wide, you know. Like he's been waiting on a friend. So you wake up, and it is uh, 1829. The final year of John Quincy Adams' presidency. Okay. You're uh. You're standing outside the the, the uh the White House, right? Whatever it was, wherever it was. I don't know when they changed shit around. I'm not very smart. So you see, like, you're kind of like hidden by a hedgerow, right? Looking out on the grounds. The guy from uh, the guy from Desert Storm, right? He like uh, he walks up. He's got a Tamagotchi hanging out of his pocket. So there's so there's a guy from each war, but they also correspond to each president. No, they're just like representatives of different wars throughout United States. Have history. we had forty six wars? Well, some of them you might not know about. There's a representative oh, okay. from the Cola Wars. I guess when I think about it, we're in like ten wars right now. So he's wearing yeah, his his uh, armor is just an actual. It's made of cans. It's just like <laughs> a bunch of Pepsi cans that have been crushed and like melted into one piece. He has a really difficult time moving, and it frankly smells terrible and it looks very sticky. But he's there, you know. There's a lot of wars out there you aren't aware of. That's a very good point. So you're you're kind of standing there, right? You're uh. You're looking out. You see, you see John Quincy Adams, right? You see, he walks out of his front door. He's got a Secret Service or whatever the equivalent was at the time. He's got guards with him, you know. And is he as scary looking as he is in all the paintings of him? He looks absolutely terrifying and intimidating. Fuck yeah! Yeah, he's like bigger than you thought he would be, you know. He walks with a stick. He doesn't necessarily need to, but he just uh, keeps it for protection. He kind of like flips it around a little bit, you know. He does some tricks and stuff. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a pecan cane, and the top of it is just an eagle's claw gripping a globe. Nice. And it looks like it's made out of solid wood, so it looks fucking heavy, you know. So he's walking along, right? He's just sort of like dictating. To the people around him and sort of like around the corner you see like a you see like a, a boy enter the grounds you know security wasn't like as tight back then and he comes yeah. he comes like walking up right he's got he's pulling a wagon right 
and you can see that there's like there's like something over the wagon and you look and through you can see it it's just like it's shining out it's on the back end of this so nobody else can see uh you see like a clock counting down oh man what do you do do i have a weapon you have an advanced rifle in your hands um i think first i would say to the does does the storm guy still there right oh absolutely yeah he well he's looking down he's feeding his tamagotchi well, I'm gonna say I, I jab him and I say, "Hey, he's hey, like, hang on, got, like, almost, a bomb. He goes, "What? That kid's got a bomb or something?" And he kind of looks up and he goes, "Man, I miss my wife." Okay. So what do you do? Do I have a? So I have a gun. Yeah, absolutely. You have like the most advanced rifle out there. I'm gonna and I and I feel like I can use it. You pick it up and you just like snap it. To, it's like snaps to your shoulder almost. You know what I mean? Like it was oh, meant to fit yeah. there. And you just immediately have like the bomb centered on the site. Yeah, I'm going to shoot that bomb. You just, you instinctively I, like I'm betting it's not a bomb, but I'm st just in case, because I don't want to fuck up. What's that? I'm betting it's not a bomb, but just in case it's an inanimate object. I'll shoot it. Whatever. So you, uh, so you like, you like raise your you know, you raise the rifle up and you see like through the other end of a rifle, you see like through your scope on the other end, you see the glint of a gun barrel pointing through a hedgerow. It's pointed right at you. Um, I guess I'm going to shoot. Wait, wait. So, am I aimed at that? Like, would I be able to get a shot off against that, or do I? Yeah, you could. You could like fire into the into the hedges, you know, if you wanted. I wanna, I wanna shoot the, I wanna shoot the bomb, and see what happens. So you, uh, cause so I'm sure it's a gun, or I just see a glint of something. It look like it's clearly like the barrel of a gun. I'm gonna shoot like, like uh, at the. I'm gonna shoot that gun, and then I'm gonna shoot the bomb. If I have the skill to do both. So you like, uh, you kind of, once again, you snap to your new target immediately. Looking right down the, the barrel. You hit a, you hit a button on your helmet. And uh, the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves song starts playing. You know? <laughs> right at that part where he's like, There's no love like you. Right in that part of it? Yeah. It's just like right there, that bridge, you know? And you fucking look down the scope while Brian Adams just fucking rips, you know? And you squeeze that trigger and you shoot a bullet down the barrel of this gun. Fuck yeah. You see, it like, Looney Tunes. you see it like explode, you know? Everybody's head turns. The uh, the guy who's like pulling the cart, he just kind of like clearly has like a big reaction, you know? And he like drops the, uh, he drops like the, the handle of the cart and starts running over there. What do you do? Then I shoot the cart. So you're uh, in case there's a bomb. I'm gonna shoot the. I'm gonna shoot right in the middle of that cart. So you kind of turn the uh, the guy from Vietnam. He like puts a hand on your shoulder and he goes, "Great fucking shot, man." He goes, "You ever oh, yeah. held one of those things before?" Nope. He goes, "God damn!" And everybody's like, like people like coming up and like congratulating you. They're like, "I've never seen anybody do that." We don't have time. I need to shoot this fucking thing. So you just uh so you're so it's to your back, right? You're you're kind of turned. How would you do it? 
What do you mean how'd I do it? How would you do it? So it's like a little like it's like, like, a, like a red flyer wagon. Yeah, with like a, it's the something like the size a blanket a, over it. Something the size of a pumpkin with a blanket over it, and you can see there's like it's like counting down. You can see it counting down. Um, how close is it to uh, JQA? I mean, they're like twenty feet away. There's probably enough room. See, it's got six seconds left. Oh, I'm just gonna shoot. I'm just gonna shoot the middle of it, let it blow up there, rather than let it get close. Well, uh, although the guy ran away, yeah. You, so it's not like it's gonna get any closer. I'm gonna actually at this point, if he ran away from it and I haven't already shot it, I'm gonna stand up and yell, "John Quincy Adams, get away from that thing!" Oh shit, that's a bad idea. So but you, that's you, nothing to do. You stand up <laughs> and you, you yell from like across the grounds, "John Quincy Adams, get away from that thing!" <laughs> the guys who are with him. <laughs> fucking freak out because once again you're wearing uh modern like military Fuck. gear holding a very advanced <laughs> rifle and the four guys that are with him charge you right and they mm -hmm. they charge you and they uh i mean there's like you know 46 of you guys you know but uh they just attack you you know and they're like four john quincy adams and they like they like charge you know one guy's going hold on but like okay so can they get to us before the six seconds runs out is what i'm wondering no they're not going to make it all the way there okay and are they running past the thing that's counting down yeah okay i'm gonna duck and i'm gonna duck and cover so they're they got like they got like old ass muskets and shit they uh they're running at you right they, uh, you, you're kind of like counting down in your head, right? Mm-hmm. You're like just counting down. You're like three, two, one. You hear the bomb go off. You feel uh, dirt hit your back and your neck. Gets inside your shirt. Ugh. You smell it in the air. It smells like explosives and dirt, you know. Once the dust settles, you kind of look up and you see that the four guys were in the path of the thing. And they're just blown to fucking bits. All right? One guy, his pants are off. You see his full dick and balls. <laughs> and honestly, you look at it, and for a second, you go, oh. You know, it's, like, pretty big. Uh, so you see that, you know, you look, like, through the mayhem and the, and the muck. And John Quincy Adams is standing there. And he looks at you, and he goes, who the hell are you? And I say, um, your friend's descendant. That's Dorf Dorch. Yeah, I don't know his name. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, it was Dorch. <laughs> if I have already forgotten it in the ten minutes of telling this story, then my character has forgotten it in the hours that have passed by. So yes. He. So do you tell him your name? My name's Jeremy Helwig. I'm from he the kinda, future. He kind of stops and he goes, Helwig. And he looks at you and he goes, come here. Yeah, I'd come there. I'd, I'd go. So you like, uh, you walk over to John Quincy Adams and he kind of like does that thing where like grabs your cheek, you know, and he like studies your face. And he goes, holy shit. And he kind of laughs, and he bends over at the waist. And then he uh, he grabs that uh, 
that walking stick and he swings it like a baseball bat and hits you right in the skull <laughs> and he drops you and does as you fall you hear him uh, you hear you hear him go hellwig fucked my wife <laughs> and then you fucking die right there on the fucking wall <laughs> where your body bled out uh <laughs> where your body bled out a rose grew from it and that's where the rose garden is now <laughs> because your fucking blood made the first rose and they were like well <laughs> we got one <laughs> uh, at least i got that legacy <laughs> yeah man an adulterer and a killer <laughs> No, I'm not the adulterer. No, I that's just, that's just your family's legacy. He's an adulterous bad man. <sighs> Congratulations. You died for him. <laughs> I killed so many people to help him. John Quincy I Adams killed one person to help him. The rest of the Freedom 45, they went, well, fuck. And they just fucking dis- <laughs> they just dissipated. They went. <laughs> that guy I shot, was he just some innocent fucking guy with a gun? That guy's name was uh, uh, Throm Falcon. And he was the best sniper in the Lanolax Corporation. Military okay. trained, like SEAL Team 6, like several tours in Afghanistan. He was, uh, he was a contract killer, paid a lot of money. And then I put a bullet up his barrel like Bugs Bunny. Yeah, and then you got fucking beaten to death by John Quincy. <laughs> <laughs> your desert relative fucked his wife. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh... <laughs>